Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Skaggs, joined by Arizona's finest, king of the house today, eating Wendy's, watching Star Wars, Ben Goldstein. Hey, Skaggs, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Ben? Pretty, pretty fucking good. It's been a uh, very lazy day, but fuck it, you know, just one of those days. We need some of those days. You got the whole house here yourself. Yeah, I got up before him to drive my family to the airport for this morning. So, you know, treat treat myself. Yeah, you did your your part. Yeah. Well, love to hear that, Ben. It's Wednesday, October 25th, 5.36 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 4.36 p.m. Pacific Time, 7.36 p.m. Eastern Time. Fall is here. Leaves are on the ground. Football is in full swing. It's all happening. Hockey and basketball are back now, Ben. We're pretty close to a sports equinox. I don't yeah. know when the first one will be, but we have to be quite close to that. Probably this or whenever the next weekend. We almost had one yesterday, except for no NFL game. But yesterday I had college football, hockey, NBA, MLB. Yeah. Or maybe next Thursday. Yeah. That next Thursday right. might be. Next Thursday might be. As long as long as a World Series game lines up, that's really yeah, yeah. The biggest I'm thinking thing at this point. I think the World Series starts next week. I'm just not sure exactly what next week, but Thursday sounds about right. Hell yeah. All right, Ben, let's get into it. I am fired up for the World Series, but this is a football yeah. podcast here. Uh, season three, week seven, Dynasty Kings. Let's go ahead and get right into the Taco Bell takeaway of the week. There will be a discussion about fast food uh, chains and their rankings mm-hmm. later. Been a big topic in the uh, Arizona Boys group chat today. Let's go ahead and get into the Taco Bell takeaway of the week. Um, I'll go ahead and get us started, Ben. The Vikings are lurking. They had a nice win this week over the Niners. Uh, So that's not as big of a deal to me. Like, it's more so kind of the bigger thing is that they no longer look like they might be sellers at the deadline because now they're three and four. Um, Their next six games are Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, and the Raiders. So none of those teams are, in my opinion, in the top 15 uh, of the league. And so they have a lot of opportunity to to make a run. I don't think the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl or anything like that, but I don't think they're going to be selling anymore. I think the fact that, you know, the biggest QB name that could have been moved and and Kirk Cousins isn't going to move, that's, um, you know, an intriguing factor. They could still move to Neil Hunter, so we'll keep an eye on that. Trade deadline is uh, a little less than a week from today on October 31st, Halloween day that Tuesday. Um, so I wanted to talk about the uh, the trade deadline a little bit. Titans turning to Will Levis post-bye week, Ben. I think that means they might really start selling and kind of need to see what they got with him. Yeah, that could be a, that could be interesting. I've heard that Malik Willis might get a couple snaps too, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm not the biggest Will Levis fan, but hey, you got to see what he has, or has right? I agree. It, it did seem to kind of come out of nowhere. <clears throat> now, it would be pretty hilarious if they went to Will Levis and then, like, traded, like, a Derrick Henry or a DeAndre Hopkins or something like that. And they're like, hey, like, let's see what you got, but also give you literally a terrible offensive supporting cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, teams kind of tend to do that. So Yeah, no, that's definitely an issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't seem like the Titans are going to go anywhere, per se. They kind of just seem like they're kind of like maybe a 500 team or just a, maybe like one game above 500 at the best, you know? Yeah. So. But if they're going to do it, you might as well, 
take advantage of this QB class and really suck. I mean, I, I think they should trade Henry. I don't know how much they'd get for him. I get there's still a cost factor to it. Uh, the Titans would probably have to pay a decent amount of his salary, but like him on the Ravens, I know people have talked about that. That'd be pretty sweet to see. Cleveland's got, you know, still injury issues with uh, Chubb going out for the year. Ford's now for a couple of weeks. That could make some sense. The Cowboys, just to take a little bit off of Tony Pollard's play. There's just, there's some teams that make some sense for Derrick Henry. It will be yeah. interesting. And I feel like this weekend's results will also have a big factor of like, okay, we at least get one more week to see like where we stand. And then some teams are kind of going to bail. Yep. No, I get that. That's it's about, it's about that time. Yep. Yep. Uh, for my Taco Bell takeaway of the week, I talked about the Dolphins bill and the 49ers all losing and losing consecutive games, uh, which just, you know, we were all kind of saying that these teams were probably top of their classes in each of the conferences. Uh, but now there looks like there might be some cracks there in all these teams. Um, personally, I'd say that the Dolphins, the Bills are teams I still believe in, while the 49ers are completely frauds um, and always have been. No, I'm, I'm pretty much kidding there. Well, I sort yeah. of. But uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, how these teams play down the stretch. Uh, I think the Dolphins kind of played a soft schedule at the beginning of the year. And yep. they're being out physical quite a bit now. Uh, the Bills are just a weird team. I, you know, so weird. I've watched a lot of Bills football just because they're on all the time here in Arizona, and they're probably here. Just they're probably just on nationally all the time. Um, but Josh Allen drives me nuts, dude. Like sometimes I'm like, this guy might be the greatest quarterback in the world, and then sometimes I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, what is he? What's going on? Like, he's just throwing the most crazy interceptions I've ever seen. And that was a tough loss last week to the Patriots. That was that was terrible. heartbreaking. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird team. The 49ers, I don't think, you know, I don't think they're a bad team. But you definitely see that there's some, you know, they're not, they're not perfect. There's some ways that they can get beat. Uh, Brock Purdy's not exactly the, you know, I'd say the most uh, able. We talked about him a lot last week. Yeah, and he, I think he's a good quarterback, but I think he's like on the same tier as Geno Smith. Where like, I think they're good quarterbacks. I'm not sure they're they're win you type of game quarterbacks. You know, especially right. big games like that. Uh, we'll see. When well, he was concussed, so that's crazy. true. He's young too. He's also very young. Like, but you know, this is this is a huge Sam Darnold podcast. So yeah, hey, you know, we're Sam ready Darnold. for the opportunity if it comes. I'm sure that he's going to step in and be just fine. It, it's pretty brutal that they have, they have to play against Cincinnati coming off a bye after that's this true. little stretch. It's just that's like, true. damn, like that's a tough matchup. A team yeah. that I expect to look a lot better than they have for most of the year. But, uh, I think it just goes to show you that the NFL, you know, it's like any given Sunday. Yeah, like anyone, can, anyone can beat anyone in this league. It really does not matter when or where. It happens every year. It's just what happens. Yep. yep, absolutely. Love it, Ben. Let's get into the scores recap from the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football League. An absolutely electric week seven, Ben. A lot happened. Skaggs yeah. Island 111. Moz Meatloaf 99, 95 and a half. 
just a massive moment for the island. Nick takes his first loss. You just got to speak it into existence enough, Ben, and eventually some crazy shit happens in fantasy football. That was a good time, led by Deontay Foreman's 30 and a half points. Thank you very much. We just needed it. You know, we were on the ropes. Two and five. Two and five would have looked pretty bad. Now we're three and four. That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're down about seven or eight players on bye. Not that all those guys would have found the lineup, but we weren't starting the prettiest lineup in the world. But, you know, we're just grinding. Uh, LaMarvelous Llamas, 132.5. Darren Narwaller's 89.5. Forgot to mention that Mike Labosco will be joining us at the second half of this podcast. I did drop in that sweet llama gift today in the chat, so I'm assuming people kind of had an idea there. Uh, the llamas moved to four and three. The narwhalers to three and four. Scott's Tots also takes his first L of the year the same week as Ma's Meatloaf, just 72 and a half points for the Tots. And Robert Blair gets on the board with a win, 109.5. You love to see it, a little 0-6 versus 6-0 and battle. Finally, it's a little bit of, you know, fantasy football adversity. We've been trying to talk about these trap games forever. If you just keep saying trap game, Ben, eventually it'll actually come true, you know? <laughs> and there it was. There it was. Week seven, we finally got it right. Uh, Pizzapalooza, 130.5. Savage Salmon, 100.5. Move Pizzapalooza to five and two. The Salmon to four and three. I always like to throw the mic quickly to you, Ben, for quick thoughts on your own matchup, if you have any. Just a tough matchup this week. Pittsburgh's one thirty is a lot. Uh, currently, I think I'm like third or second points against, so it's not easy. So, considering I'm four and three, I'm still pretty happy where I am. We just need to get a couple more wins here. Try to get to you know seven, six, eight, and five. I think that's a playoff yeah. record right there with yeah. the points that no, I'm you, scoring. At least, yeah, you've been scoring a lot, so that's definitely yeah. been a good sign. Yeah, I think I think most of my roster is on the up and up. You know, I. You know, picked up Daryl Henderson, and Puga still looks good. Ed that was huge. Also, Henderson, you didn't have to spend anything on, right? That was just a straight no, pickup. I picked him up on like a random morning, I think. Those are always fun when those happen, where it's like, yeah. oh, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think he's going to start for me, but it's always nice to have him around. Yeah, uh, he, he, like is a, he is involved. a failure, by the way. So, just not why. Yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, Bilbo Swaggins, 106. The San Anselmo Sinners, 83. Uh, that moves William to two and five. The Sinners to three and four. You have to wonder, Ben, has the name change helped at all, or is he still trying to find that right name to ultimately produce wins? <laughs> We're not sure. He had an interesting lineup this week just because team's not super deep some bye weeks some very interesting lineups I'm... we'll uh we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about not in a bad way at all from a tanking perspective or anything like that no, no, no. of course of course dan's growing up from that he just had a couple of players where i was like damn i had to start that guy that's yeah. interesting bellify island three and four golden bandits two and five after a bellify island 80 to 55 and a half win a little dirty in the score column Actually, the only person not to score over 100 in their win. But Joe's grinding. He used to have championship DNA until he sold out and tra- traded Justin Jefferson. But he's three and four. Big battle of the islands coming up this week. Both teams three and four trying to hang on to their playoff life, even though we're not that far into the season. Ben, I'm going to turn it over to you first for the ease eye-opening performance of the week. Yeah, my ease eye-opening performance of the week. Honorable mention 
is Zach's own Jordan Addison, rookie for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Jordan Addison had – hold on, I brought up uh, – I got it right underneath if you want to see it. And they had it right and here. And he had seven catches right. for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that's a pretty good stat line for 29 and a half fantasy points. That's um, a good team. Yeah. So Jordan Addison looks like a very solid wide receiver one when Jefferson's out and will be a very solid wide receiver two uh, when Jefferson comes back. So <clears throat> uh, the easy eye-opening performer of the week, though, is Lamar Jackson, who had a great, great week. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar, a.k.a. Peyton Manning Jackson, went 21 <laughs> for 27 for 357 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, completed and completed 78% of his passes. Uh, also had nine carries for 36 yards and one touchdown. So let me tell you, he's slinging that rock and he's looking good doing it. So and I think that was for 33 fantasy points. So shout out Lamar. Ravens, they look good this Mikey. week. Shout out Mikey, shout out Bosco. Bosco. Shout yeah, out I'm Bosco. Talk about him for sure. Big week for him. We'll talk Ravens, all kinds of good stuff. As for my two uh, shout outs I was going to give, didn't want to be too much of a homer when I came into this exercise, Ben, but then I saw a couple guys that scored about as many points you as anyone it. else did this you week. It. And it's just a big week for the program. Travis Kelsey is my honorable mention. 12 catches, 179 yards, and a touchdown for 29 points. Yeah, uh, Ben, he missed week one. He still has a 20-point lead over the second-highest-scoring tight end in fantasy so far. So the whole him being number one every year continues. He's a good football player. We move on to the star of the week, Deontay Foreman. 16 carries, 89 yards, two touchdowns, as well as three catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown for 30.5 points. Ben, I've mentioned it multiple times just because it was such a funny prediction that I made. But uh, last week, I sent a group group text to the Arizona boys saying this Deontay Foreman 30 burger is going to be so sick against Nick. Sure enough, he scored 30 and a half. It's crazy what happens when you pray hard enough, you know? God is good. And there it was. God is good. Remember when you asked me, like, what's, we were all talking about what's the best, like, just waiver pickup that you've made ever in the league. And I was like, Deontay Foreman last week. I couldn't couldn't think of anyone else. And I'm like, he's just so due against the Raiders. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I literally couldn't think of very know, many people, but Travis Kelsey is is really good. But man, you know this is a tight end league, but man, it's, it's, yeah. it's the last couple of years have been kind of tight and bad. I would say that it's been a little weak. At, it's know, been coming, tough. It's very very like top two heavy, top three heavy. You know, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, we got some good rookies in the league though. Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully things rise. Jake Ferguson, of course. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I agree. It is tough when there's like a fair amount of other tight ends. I don't think it's the tight end's fault. It's just they're no, in a game no. plan. Yeah. But you'll look at some of the other big name tight ends and be like, man, this guy's like solid, but like the numbers just are still inconsistent. Yeah. Where like like Johnny Smith is like tight end 11. Yeah. <laughs> like top 10 and 12. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, it's not great. It's not, it's not the best. But then again, I like maybe it's always been like that. I haven't just paid too much attention, but um, it's been top heavy at least for the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and transition to the Reese's. How do I say Reese's? Reese's rookie report. 
my favorite candy too. Uh, I'll go ahead and run through my three real quick. Jordan Addison was the good. Don't need to say anything more. You already kind of covered it there. Uh, the medium Jameer Gibbs on Team Bosco coming on the pod later today. Had to have had the quietest 21.5 fantasy points in the history yeah, of fantasy football. Not a single person noticed, saw it, any of the above. Congrats. It just happened. Congrats. They were getting their ass kicked. Congrats to Jameer Gibbs for finally playing a good game. 11 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. And the Alvin Kamara, nine catches, 58 yards, zero touchdowns. That's how he got to 21 and a half. Well done. So the key, clearly, for the Lions is to get down in games for Jameer Gibbs to be a big factor in fantasy. Uh, and then my ugly, Zach Evans on Team Dan in the starting lineup after Kyron Williams gets placed on IR. You got Zach Evans, you got Royce Freeman, you got Daryl Henderson Jr. Zach Evans played four snaps on special teams, Ben. He did not get in on an offensive snap. Really hate to see it, especially in a Dan running back situation that could use some depth. Really tough. Daryl Henderson, he's available. Um, Yeah, yeah, you know, Kamir Gibbs, (laughs) you said Alvin Kamara. I played Alvin Kamara this week, so – yeah, that, mm-hmm. that brought us back some, like, PTSD. Yeah, like, what, 13 catches or something? Currently. Yeah, man, I, I'll be honest with you. I really wasn't, like, paying attention too close to the game. Like, I saw that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that Alvin Kamara was, like, having a good game. I knew that he was having a good game. But, like, I was also saying that, like, oh, Etienne has two touchdowns. Like, he's playing pretty well. Like, it's going to at least be even. Then I get to the end of the game. Kamara had, I think, maybe, like, 40 yards rushing. And, like, no touchdowns. But, yeah, he had, like, 13 catches for, like, 130 yards. Uh, so, that added a lot of points. And he ended up scoring at the end by, like, five points that night, six points. So, pretty upsetting. But shout out Travis. That was a good trade for him this summer. Uh, Will, I thought, like, you held on to good players. What happened? Yeah. I guess that, that's just confusing to me. But It was a little draft night swap that came out of nowhere, too. Yeah, it was kind of a, like, now that I'm thinking back to it, it was a pretty bad trade for Will. So, hopefully Will can rebound from that one. Felt that, Ben. All right, you got a couple, well, you, you can do your rookie report now. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> my Will rant, so I was just going hard on him. Uh, <clears throat> all right, my good is Josh Downs uh, for Joe, Belfi Island. Uh, also the Indianapolis Colts. Josh Downs had five catches for 125 yards and a touchdown this week. Yeah, that's stood out to me, so that's pretty good. Did uh, you like those jerseys or no? Uh, I kind of like the helmets. The, the the shade of blue I wasn't a fan of. All blues a lot. There's no denying that. Yeah, I like because it, it was like a black helmet though, right? Correct, with a blue horseshoe. I, I, I like I liked the black helmet. I like that. I like that look, but yeah, the jersey needed maybe some like white pants or like, you know, some silver pants. I don't know. Something different. Black yeah. pants? Yeah, it's just something yeah. different. Would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, you know, pat my back a little bit here for medium and just put Puka. He's just, he's just chugging along. He got, I don't, he got another 130 yards this week on like eight catches. So, He's just chugging along, doing his thing, even with Cooper cut back. Uh, and then for my ugly, I'm going to give it to Bijan this week. I don't I don't think anyone knows what happened with him. I'm not even Tough. sure Arthur Smith knows what happened with him this week. Um, but he had, you know, one carry for three yards, which was even odder. It was odd that he just played one – he just had 
one. And, and the carry was in like the fourth quarter. Yeah, just very, very odd. Um, like if he's not feeling well, just like keep yeah. him out. Like it sucks it, it for everyone. But like something was contractual or, you know, they had to do something like that to make sure that they got away with it, not reporting his injury before the game or something like that. I don't know, but something was fishy there. And uh, I'm just going to have to give Bijan the ugly of the week. Um, to be honest with you, it's been a little ugly the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, uh, hey, it's a weird. Bosco weird. has Samir Gibbs now, so that's good. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Cole Komet of the week, scoring zero in a starting lineup. Big crowd this week, Ben. We just talked about Bijan Robinson. Yeah, Normally, I don't mention guys that got injured. I don't know what to define his thing, so I kept him in here. Uh, Jordan Mason started for Will's team. I laughed at that. He got zero points. Great player. Chris McCaffrey was playing. Yeah, really good player. Uh, another really good player, Brandon Johnson yeah, in Dan's lineup. That's like the After, third week that started. Coming off of a, a goose egg last week, too. Like, to have the confidence just be like, again, I know there were some buys and stuff, but, like, I feel like you could have picked up, like, a tight end off waivers or something to be better than Brandon Johnson. He had a couple of good games early in the year, so Don't I can't me. hate on him too much. Don't get me started about trying to help him out. I've been trying. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Zach Evans, we talked about, the rookie, also in Dan's lineup. Really tough week for the centers. Jamison Williams with a zero spot in Anthony's lineup. You love to see that from a trash player like Jamison Williams. And finally, Ben, Cole Komet himself wins the Cole Komet of the week with zero points. Finally, we're so back to normalcy. You know, me beating Nick in a fantasy matchup, Cole Komet scoring zero points in a game. Everything is right in the world. Fall is here. Let's have a great rest of the season. Speaking of tight ends, it was National Tight End Day. I totally forgot that. I'm glad you included this, Ben, in your mention. The Rico Gathers of the Week. I'm going with Mike Gusecki. Fuck the Patriots, but I do find his gritty hilarious. And then fucking white-ass Mac Jones trying to do it behind him. <laughs> it just, that, that does put a smile on my face, even though I was upset they ultimately beat the Bills. But that is my Rico Gathers of the Week, Ben. Yeah, you know, all tight ends for National Tight End Day, you know, they all have to be appreciated in, in some sort of way. You know, some are good blockers, some are great receivers, some are some both. Uh, shout out respect to all the tight ends for National Tight End Day. Yeah, and they were scoring a lot, and they were mentioning yeah. a lot. Greg, yeah. Greg Olson's obviously on, you know, one of the games each week as a premier broadcaster now, and, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. All right, Ben, let's go ahead and look forward to week eight. We are getting <clears throat> right into the meat of the schedule. What are there, 14 weeks of the regular season? Uh, is there now? Of the, 15, of the... 16, 17 is the yeah. playoffs, and then 18 yeah. is the last one. Yeah, there's... so I think we're at the exact halfway mark. Because it is a Wednesday, Ben, we get to do a fab recap, which is a great time. I think it's maybe the first time we've me, you. I've been on a podcast recapping fab. Uh, the Golden Bandits with a $40 offer for Tyson Bajan, I believe is how it's pronounced. Intensive. In the process, he dropped Ronnie Bell. No other bids for Tyson Bajan. Love that $40 usage there. The Savage Salmon with a couple of huge pickups. Jake Bobo, receiver for the Seahawks, $35. And Taysom Hill, the do-everything tight end for the New Orleans Saints, $12. In the process, two huge drops from the Salmon. Greg Dulcich and Isaiah Hodgins, two absolute pillars of your franchise. Talk to me a little bit about that, Ben. 
well, yeah, the pillars, yeah, not really. It wasn't going on. Dolce, I mean, Greg's had a really good career. Yeah. <laughs> he gets <laughs> it. He cannot stay healthy. He's just made a glass at this point. So it was just time. It's, you yeah. know, I invested, I think, either a third or a fourth in him a couple of years ago. So it yeah. was okay. I felt comfortable dropping him. I know Isaiah, you know, the Hodgins trade, that was big news. This yeah, time. that bet. Still big news. Uh, it can still happen, right? I mean, right. As, as far as I understand, yeah, it's right? yeah, you and Joe, but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, listen, the wide receivers had like, or sorry, the Giants had like eight wide receivers um, that are all like, Really below, slightly below average to slightly above average in talent what talent ratings. Um, yeah. No one's really differentiating themselves there except for like one Dale Robinson every now and then. So it was just time to move on him. As for the pickups, I probably spent a little too much money on these guys looking at it now, but I just, I was ready to spend some money this week and mm-hmm. I feel pretty comfortable with these guys. Uh, I honestly thought Taysom Hill was going to get a little bit more, leeway on here considering he scored two touchdowns in like the last two weeks um and he just seems like he's now kind of like the focal point of that saints offense because they can't really do anything else um so when they get in the red zone they kind of just give it to him not that they get in the red zone that much but you know it's something uh as for jake bobo kind of a reach on my part i think originally i was at 20 bucks probably should have stuck there but I up to the 35 just because I really wanted him just in case. And yeah, he's on your Hawks. Yeah, listen, I, I follow the Hawks closely. Pete Carroll gushes over this guy. Like he says he trusts this guy all the way. Um, yes, the Seahawks wide receiver room is crowded currently. Um, they did just draft another, you know, rookie in the first round. They've got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, but you know, Lockett's getting a little older. DK Lockett, sorry, DK Metcalf. I'm not sure as a true number one. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm not any, you know, sometimes he can't stay healthy. Uh, JSN, he's, you know, he's played okay so far, but, uh, you know. Nice Jake week Bo- this week. Jake, yeah. But Jake Bobo seems like he's, you know, someone in the future. And he kind of reminds me of an undrafted free agent that, you know, had a nice little career in Seattle of uh, Doug Ball. So we'll see what happens. Let's see what happens, Ben. William did have three $0 bids. The first one was unsuccessful for Jake Bobo. Kenny McIntosh and Darius Davis were the two folks that he picked up. Uh, Both $0, obviously, because William has spent all of his money. Uh, He dropped Damian Harris and Noah Gray in the process. So there's a lot to process within that whole (laughs) transaction realm. But we'll go ahead and move on to the fabulous edition of the week. Uh, For me, it's definitely not Tyson Bajan. That does not have any upside, in my opinion. Um, so I'll go ahead and give it to Taysom Hill, the great white light. Uh, he does play tight end and that's helpful. So like throwing him into your tight end slot in a desperate situation, um, you know, it's not always the worst thing you can do. So, yeah, my tight ends are a little thin. So I've been just trying to yeah <laughs> see what I can do and improve as much as I can. Um, my fabulous edition of the week was kind of a meh week. I just described that as this, but, um, you know, fuck it. I'm going to give it to Kenny McIntosh for $0. Um, Charbonnet is hurt. Uh, he's been out, and I'm not sure how hurt he is. Uh, other than that, they, they have DJ Dallas, who's not really that good. And then they have, you know, Kenny, who's, you know, good. Um, 
And I'll be honest with you, I'm not not 100 sure Macintosh is healthy, but supposedly he looked very good in training camp. Uh, he had some good preseason activities. So hey, who knows? It might be a little good stash ad there. Yeah, absolutely love that. Let's go ahead and transition to the week eight matchups, Ben. Battle of the Islands, like I hinted at earlier in the podcast, Bellify yeah. Island versus Skaggs Island. Three and four and three and four. Skaggs Island at an even 100 projection over Bellify Island, 75 and a half. But everyone knows that will be a battle till the end. The Darren Narwallers, three and four versus Alma Homies Ball, one and six. The Narwallers projected for 80. Alma Homies Ball projected for 91.5. Big matchup, some would argue, game of the week. The Savage Salmon, 4-3 versus Moz Meatloaf, 6-1, coming off that first loss of the season. Meatloaf projected for 122.5. The Salmon, 110.5. The San Anselmo Sinners, 3-4 versus the Golden Bandits, 2-5. Current projection, 108.5 for the Sinners, 44.8 for Anthony. I assume there's still more at play there. The Marvelous Llamas. Four and three versus Bilbo Swaggins, two and five. Llama is currently projected to win 127 to 82 and a half. And lastly, Pizzapalooza, five and two versus Scots and Tots, six and one. The other game of the week, Pizzapalooza, 117 on the projection. Scots Tots, 124.4. It's a couple of big time heavyweight matchups between people that are firmly in the playoff hunt. And then a bunch of other folks that are kind of hanging on by a thread, trying to move their way up the ladder. Any thoughts, Ben? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, back-to-back weeks for me playing some good teams is tough. But I'm excited for the challenge. Uh, Pizzapalooza, Scott's Tots is, of course, a very good game and should have some uh, impact in the standings later in the season. Uh, and then, of course, the, the Battle of the Islands should be impactful as well for uh, trying to vie for that last uh, last playoff spot. So, um, hey, at, at this point in the season, all these are pretty important. Um, I'm excited to see what happens this week. Absolutely. Ben, I'll turn it over to you. Dynasty Prospect Preview presented by DuraCraft Boats. Our favorite sponsor on the show. That's uh, right. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I'm going to do a tight end this week. And that would be Cade Stover, tight end out of Ohio State. Uh, he is around 6'4", 254 pounds. Uh, ran a 4'5", or should run a 4'5"-ish, 4'6"-ish, 40. Uh, he actually was committed to play linebacker, defensive end. Um, played that his freshman year. Switched to tight end his t- sophomore year. Switched back to linebacker his junior year, and now is back at tight end his senior year. Um, he has over 800 yards in his career and six touchdowns at, in two years at tight end. Uh, probably should be drafted between rounds three and five. Um, he's made some really massive catches for OSU this year. Uh, he's just kind of a tough guy, tough – you know, he's made some really great catches in traffic. He's not like the most shifty guy per se, but – I'm assuming uh, he's white. Very white, very white, very white. Um, but, man, he's just he, – he's made some really impressive catches this year. So, yeah, should be fun. I assume he'll be drafted in our DKFL draft, uh, probably more in the later rounds. But, yeah, you know. Love that. 
Uh, ben, we're going to take a commercial break. On the other side, we'll have Mike Labosco do some primetime picks. And, of course, everyone's favorite, the interview portion. I will catch you in just a minute, Ben. Sounds great. Adios. I just want to take a quick moment to thank our title sponsor, Cheez-Its, uh, greatest snack brand in the world, specifically the four cheese flavor, the single greatest snack of all time. Uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring the show. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you don't like Cheez-Its, go fuck yourself. Back to the pod. What's up, Ben? Hey, how's it going? Just great, man. Hey, good, good. Long good. time no talk. Yeah, it's been a while. Just watching, uh, you know, Knicks, Celtics, of course. Who wouldn't be? <clears throat> exciting matchup. I have it on. I can't say that I'm really watching it, but I have it on. Yeah. It's whatever. It's mid. Hard for me to watch NBA basketball nowadays when it's playoffs. Hello, gentlemen. Bosco. Oh, hey. How we doing, boys? Good. How are you? I'm better now. Love that. Love that. Hell yeah. Thank you for joining us from the East Coast. You know, it's pretty late out there. 8.30? 8.30. Yeah, I got to take out my dentures and get in bed. <laughs> better. Um, all right, Bosco, let's go ahead and get right into primetime pick them. We got plenty of questions, plenty of good discussion in the interview portion of this podcast. Primetime games really interesting this week. All three of them, eight plus point spreads. But let's get to the standings first. Ben, really tough 0-3 week last week. New Orleans, Miami, San Francisco, none of those teams covered. That brought your overall record to six, seven, and one. Anthony went one and two as the guest picker. Got Philadelphia right, lost New Orleans and San Francisco. Eight, five, and one for the guest picker. Still well above water there. And then yours truly, two and one. Jacksonville and Philadelphia won and covered. Niners did not cover. Obviously, that was a mistake, trusting the Niners. That moves my record to six and three. Thursday night football, tomorrow night, we're recording on a Wednesday, kind of rare. Tampa Bay at Buffalo, both teams coming off a loss. Buffalo minus eight and a half. Mikey, who do you like in this game? Um, I'm going to take Buffalo in this game. They, they just like, when they play well, they usually kick the shit out of bad teams. And like, they can't keep doing this, what they've done the last two weeks. And the Bucks are bad. Like, I know that they've won a couple of games, but they're not good. And I think the wheels are going to fall off of the Bucks pretty soon. I think that, like, they won some games because, like, Baker Mayfield was doing Baker Mayfield stuff and it just worked, which is, like, you know, trying to throw into tight windows, make all these crazy plays. And, like, we've seen this movie before. He can – it only works for a couple weeks. And I think this is the week it all comes crashing down. Buffalo, big. Ben? I'm going to go opposite here. I am going to take Tampa Bay plus eight and a half. Uh, I might be taking the cheese a little bit here, but <clears throat> I think they do backdoor here and come with an eight or seven here at the end of the game and make it a little closer than it looks. Um, <clears throat> but I'm not sure that the bill is exactly below the doors off them or anyone at this point. Um, a little worried about the bills. Uh, well, I don't know. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. So I just never know with the bills. Uh, but I'm going to take the Buccaneers plus eight and a half. Back to 
Backdoor cover. I'm also going Bills minus eight and a half. Don't. Oh, good. Uh, Don't love it. Don't don't like spreads this big in general. Um, But I'm kind of always on the trend of add a week or two that are shitty. They're a good team. They're going to bounce back. They're at home. I think Tampa Bay is decent. I do think their defense is still solid. They have some weapons, but yeah, they're not not that great. So we'll just try with the Bills. Sunday night football, Chicago Bears at the Chargers. I guess this would have been a slightly interesting matchup with Justin Fields playing. Don't know who decides these kind of stupid games, but the Chargers are favored by eight and a half at home. Who do you like, Mike? Um, Gosh, am I going to lay eight and a half again? I think I am. Just like the Raiders – Gosh, am I going to do it twice? Because I'm about to say how bad the Raiders suck and how I'm like this Tyson Bajan. I don't know. I was like, did you guys see his like post-game locker room thing? He's like all tatted up. He's got the sleeves and the chest. He talks like Jason Williams, dude. Those West Virginia white boys. Are- <laughs> I was going to say, West- he's, straight up, he's straight up redneck West Virginia. Those West, those West Virginia white boys are different. Um, but, like, <laughs> Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley, who is a loser, is coaching for his job here. So, I think he's going to throw everything out there and they're going to get it done. Love that. Dad? Yeah, I'm going Chicago plus eight and a half. Um yeah. I think Chicago has a little bit of fire to meet them uh, with a new, you know, rookie quarterback playing for them. And, you know, winning a game always kind of gets – might get the ball rolling a little bit. Um, and I think it helps that you're playing the Chargers this week who play underwhelming quite a bit and play down to opponents quite a bit. So I feel like eight and a half should be covered here by the Bears. Not that the Chargers win, but eight and a half, yeah. I'm taking the Chargers minus eight and a half. Hate the Chargers. Hate everything about it. They're just a cursed franchise. Uh, but I just can't do the Bears. I think the Bajan story is cool, but I think reality will uh, come into play this week. Don't love it. Monday Night Football, Las Vegas Raiders at the Detroit Lions. Lions minus eight. Bosco. I guess I'm taking all three of the big favorites. Um, Dan Campbell probably hasn't slept since Sunday. Um, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna have, he's gonna have the offensive coordinator bring out the trick plays. He's going to try to really turn it around after the debacle in Baltimore. So I'll take Detroit by eight. Ben. Yeah. I think the Raiders are truly one of the bad teams in the NFL. Um, and I think the lions are truly one of the better teams in the NFL. And I think this is where things kind of even out this week. I know the Lions played bad that, you know, last week, but they kind of ran into a buzzsaw, you know, in Baltimore. Um, You know, Terrell Suggs honor day, like that was tough. So, but at, you know, back at Detroit this week, Las Vegas, I'm not sure what's going on. I think Jimmy G is going to play, but even, even if he does, like, does that really matter? Uh, Yeah. So give me Detroit minus, Minus fourteen here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is is he gonna play? Does it matter? Does anything matter? Um, I'm taking the Lions minus eight. I agree that the Raiders are one of the worst teams, especially if Jimmy G's not playing. Um I don't see they're not the type of team where I'm like, oh well they got just couple on up with the Bears. I think they'll bounce back. Like, no, I think they're dog shit as a franchise, their head coach, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, give me the Lions. I did see the Ravens win actually coming last week. Picked them in a couple things. 
Um, it was just a trap game on the road against a good team. Life was going to come back to earth at some point. So we all agree on that pick. Let's go ahead and move on to the guest interview. Mikey LaBosco, the Marvelous Llamas, one of the strongest brands in the DKFL. Standing at 4-3 and three to start the season. I believe that's fourth place, tied for fourth, something like that. Uh, perhaps no one had more of a roster overhaul as you did in the past couple of years. Bosco, you're off to a 4-3 and three start. Three of those losses against really good teams, Nick, Scott, Ben. How does it feel to be competitive again in this league, and what is the overall state of the Llamas? Uh, the, the state is fantastic. We, we feel great about where we're at. We have a team that we think is good enough to win it all this year. Doesn't mean we will. There's probably four teams, maybe five, that are good enough. Um, but I feel great about the roster. Everything has gone according to plan. I think I've got the guys. Jonathan Taylor's back. He's looking good. I'm not worried about this sh- sh- slow week from Cooper Cup last week. I think I got my stars dialed in, and it it feels great to be competitive again. I think this is the best roster I have ever had. It's the best team I've ever put out there in this league, and we are uh, we're fired up over here. Hell yeah, vibes are immaculate. Uh, The headliners of your 2023 rookie class obviously had a lot of picks: Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, and Marvin Mims, amongst a couple others. How do you feel about the uh, the group overall through seven weeks? I feel, I feel great. I mean, Bijan is clearly special. You know, he's like in having missed a game, which not remotely worried about. And he's like only gotten in the end zone once. And he's just, he's just different with the ball in his hands. I think he's everything that was advertised and it's only going to be up from here for him. Um, and how could I not feel incredible about Laporta? Like, you know, I, I wanted Laporta. I made a trade up to make sure I got Laporta and, even I could not have predicted that he would be like such a ready-made stud. And it, it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. So I feel great about that. Um, you know, the start from Gibbs is definitely a little concerning. Like after the trauma of dealing with DeAndre Swift's usage in that offense, it's definitely feeling a little bit similar. But he also looks so good when he gets the ball. He's nice. I, I'm not worried about it. I mean, he finally kind of made it happen last week. He's going to get some run here with hurt and I think he's going to kind of call that Montgomery will still get a lot of carries when he comes back but I don't think that uh, Gibbs's usage is going to be as low as it was to start this season ever again um, Mims you know I don't like how little they're using him lately but those first couple weeks it's clear that he's electric and then he can make things happen you know like all the um, you know like per target stuff it all looks good all the fantasy nerd stats look good and like, he gets open, and he's not going to ever, and, you know, feel good about it. Would like to see more production from him, but he was always more of a play for next season in the future anyway. So I think I got four guys who are going to be uh, real contributors for years to come. So I, I think uh, it all it all went nicely. It's always helpful. Um, yeah, the Mims thing is interesting. I mean, their head coach is a dumbass, so it makes a lot of sense why he's not playing as much as he should. Uh, Bosco, in your week four, four-point loss to Nick, you started Kirk Cousins and Sam Laporta over Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Those decisions cost you 33 and a half points. What is the current state of the relationship between GM Bosco and head coach Bosco? 
You know, it, it feels good to be back in a place where my lineup decisions are <laughs> fucking me up because that means I have a team that can win games. Um, G, GM Bosco is deciding to give Coach Bosco a pass. The Lamar and Andrew sitting, you know, the Browns defense. Who, who are they? Oh, good. the Browns. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. so it was still stupid. And just to make everyone as uncomfortable as possible is here. We're giving Coach Bosco a pass because he made that decision like as he was helping set up for his father's funeral. So we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna give him yeah. we're gonna we're gonna give his brain a pass for that one. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd be lying if on the day of I wasn't absolutely furious. Like <laughs> cousins through the goal line inter- cousins through the goal line interception like at the start of that game, and I knew exactly what was gonna happen from there. And that was gonna win that game. That was the Jewish funeral, right? It was. It was. It was not. Um, oh, okay. I w- you could. You could have been even more dramatic and said yes, and you were sitting shivering for like forty-eight hours. <laughs> that, that would have been. That would have been better. Um, you know, I was pissed that day. You know, if we win that, we're five and two. We're only a game out of a potential buy, which is huge. So you know, it looms large. It, it, it certainly doesn't feel good, but. Um, you know, we're going to give Coach Bosco a pass for that one. He's mostly pushed the right buttons otherwise. Um, especially week one, gets to do out well the morning off waivers, starts him, puts up double digits. Like, Coach Bosco's made some plays, yeah. so we're going to – Thanks for that gonna, reminder. It's, it's certainly a little uneasy, so we'll, we'll see what happens when, when the games get even bigger. But um, right now it's positive. The vibes are good in the building. Love that. Um as you are right in the thick of a playoff hunt, any moves or trades that we should expect from the Llamas down the stretch? Um, you know, I, probably not. I don't have any second-round picks, which basically means, like, I don't really have anything to dangle in front of folks for some of that depth. And I, I'm, not right. too worried about, I'm not too worried about that. Um, and, you know, I've been scouring, and there just aren't a lot of win, a lot of win now moves to be made with the tanking group because they shipped everyone. Um, and Will is holding out for really high prices on his guys. I don't begrudge him that, like, more power to him. Um, I'd probably be trying to stockpile thirds in his position, but that's okay. I obviously have motivated reasoning there. Um, But I I think we're probably going to go with the group we've got. Um, I thought about cashing in Kyron Williams, had some deep talks with some people, but, um, you know, I I think I'm just going to ride that because I don't think any competition is coming. He'll get healthy. McVay clearly loves him. And there's just not really uh, any other assets that make sense for me to move that have enough value for me to make that kind of like win now move. So I think, I think the llamas you see now are the llamas you're going to see in December. And I I think we've got a group that can get it done. Beautiful. Ben, um, you know, just pause him because, you know, haven't included you too much in the conversation. Obviously, Bosco's answering the questions. But uh, if you want, you could ask these two NFL-related questions. Uh, Just, you know, Bob and Weave. Yeah, why not? All right. Switching to a broader NFL spectrum, it's well documented that you're a Baltimore Ravens fan and watch them closer than most. They're coming off their most impressive performance of the season, sitting in a nice 5-2 and record through seven weeks. How do you feel about them so far? And do you think they have what it takes to win a Super Bowl this year? And is Lamar the next Peyton Manning? <laughs> Black Peyton Manning. What, what, what is that? I saw the, the tweet or whatever, but is there anything else to that? Or No, no. I just really love, I just okay, really the, love the joke. Black Peyton Manning. <laughs> 
the, the joke was just like, you know, look, you keep him in the pocket, he could be paid Manny, and they made paid Manny yeah. kind of hood. Um, I, they, they, they've been awesome. Like, I've watched basically all of every game except the Browns game. I keep it. I have it on my laptop screen and Red Zone's on pretty much every Sunday. Um, they had two just, like, absolutely dumbass losses. Like, they really, really should have won yeah. both of those games. Like, if they got – if they got merely bad receiver play instead of abjectly horrible receiver play against the Steelers, they're six and one. And that Colts game was an abortion of the second half. Um, they've been really, really good. And I think that they're real contenders, especially since like, you know, last year, I think there were teams that looked a little bit more juggernaughty and I don't really see any of those out there. Um, you know, I, I think that they're going to be there. The defense is legit. The offense looks good. I, I think that we might see a move from them. St- stay woke on a third rounder for Derrick Henry for the Ravens. And I mm, think that, that would a, be great. either him or an edge rusher. And I think I, I think we're going to see them make a splash and, and really go for it. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and call them Super Bowl favorites or say that I think that like, oh yeah, they're definitely making a deep run. I think Lamar still has a lot to prove in the playoffs. Um, but I think that they have a team who's going to who, – no one is going to want to see uh, lining up across from them in the playoffs. Like they are in that upper echelon. And, and, and I think they're going to be a factor for sure. Beautiful. I love that. <clears throat> Does the city of Atlanta hate the way Arthur Smith spreads the ball around as much as the fantasy community? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. A lot of hate in the community and like angst and like all sorts of emotions. There's definitely angst towards Arthur Smith, even more angst towards Desmond Ritter. Um, mm. But yeah. yes, you can definitely feel it. I think that, especially, you know, Arthur Smith's whole thing was he's supposed to be this incredible run game guy and usage or no, it just hasn't been that explosive. He's like throwing on first and goal from the five all the time. It's just seems, and he makes those dumbass faces on the sideline all the time. It's like such a big part of being a coach that people can trust is just like, not making faces like you have no idea what the hell's going on and he's constantly making those dumbass faces so like, you know <laughs> arthur Ar- arthur smith like you're on notice yeah, he's, he's tough uh bosco let's talk golf the u.s was embarrassed once again on european soil in the Ryder cup uh do you think the team as a whole needs to make changes to fix their problems winning in europe whether it be team building, pairings, preparation, et cetera. Thoughts on the overall state of the U.S. team, the European team? <laughs> so first off, um, I, I root for the Euros in this event lately. They, those guys are just, like, so much more likable, and they don't, like, act like they're too cool for this event. And, like, these U.S. guys are such, like, freaking embarrassing front runners. Like, at Whistling Straits, when they're winning, they're, like, popping bottles on the first tee as the matches are finishing up. And then it's, like... As soon as something starts to go wrong, it's all like, you know, grumbling and shitty faces and trying to drum up this hat bullshit. Like, it's just these these guys need to like ass. Like, they're gonna keep getting their ass kicked in Europe if they don't turn it around, and they might lose at Bethpage if they don't like actually realize that they aren't too cool for this event and that they don't just like have a birthright to win it. Um, you know, Zach Johnson, like, clearly, I don't think knew what the hell he was doing, but there was no group of pairings that he was going to be able to send out in Italy the way those guys showed up that were going to do anything. And so I, I'm not going to give him that much blame, but these dudes just get over to Europe and the European devil ma- magic takes over and, you know, they'll probably win at Beth Page in the U.S. world. They'll keep holding, they'll keep holding serve at home, but I just like, 
until these guys like actually realize that that, that the players themselves that they're going to need to approach it differently in Europe to win, it's it's going to keep happening. And I, I don't I don't I don't see any reason to believe that's going to change. It is interesting. I mean, on one hand, like Europe did play out of their mind, like um, as much as it felt like we got embarrassed, like it ended up being like decently close, even though not not all that close at the end score. But like a couple, you know, that that second session of the first uh, first day, just some of those putts that went in on 18, like that just changed like the whole thing where it could have been a lot closer after that day. I think I think one thing that fascinates me is just how much time they have off, which is like kind of a good thing because they play a shit ton of golf to end the year, especially with the three FedEx Cup playoff events. But then like everyone's off for a month while like the European guys do at least play in like one tournament in between. So like just finding that balance. I feel like make the Fortinet in Napa that one tournament where all the Ryder Cuppers play just to stay fresh. And then, like two weeks later, is the tournament. Yeah, how is great. how how is there how how is there no one in that team room who's being like, hey guys, like let's all show up here and play? Like there was that event yeah. that all the European guys played, and like the top ten had eight of these European Ryder Cup guys going, and like it's the vibes going. Like you know, they treat it like yeah. a major. They like they prepare for it like a major. They play for it going oh. ahead, like it's a major. And like if you were treating yeah. the Ryder Cup like a major, there's no way these American guys would have played as little as they did. And they just, you know, they, yeah. they, 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 they don't think that they need to treat it that way. And, and they and they really do. And also, while we're here, I need to do my Brooks Kepka rant. Because, like, my God, <laughs> dude, you can't, you can't fucking, like, show up to this press conference and be all like, you know, a lot of guys say they want the ball when it counts. But, you know, I don't think a lot of guys really mean it. And then get just take the worst L in the history of the event. Playing with the best player. Listen, Brooks is an absolute dog. Look. He's at these majors and like, yes, it's incredible. But like he shows up to the Ryder Cup and his attitude is like, oh, well, if I play well, what matters? Like, especially from like Mr. If I did it again, I'd be a professional baseball player. Like you think your baseball teammates would be like cool with the fact that like, oh, I got two hits, even though we lost 10 to three. Like, no, they think you're an ass because he is. And like for the dude who's like such a better competitor than everyone else, like he doesn't have the competitive fire to try to win besides four weekends a year. Like, I, I want more from him because I think he's capable of more. Like, he should be a kind of guy who's winning in the way that makes him the defining player of a generation. And, like, he's just, like, too big of a dickhead to, like, commit to doing it. Dan, any thoughts? I'm not the biggest golf guy in the world, but it sounds like the rider – or, sorry, not the uh, – the live tour is perfect for him, right? <laughs> that sounds like it's perfect for him, so uh, – <clears throat> I don't know, he, he does seem like a major bro to me. Um, and, like, he never really is really, like, seemed to really actually care about golf. He's always seemed very talented, you know what I'm saying? But just never really cared about it, which can hinder your, you know, your career a little bit here and there. Um, I don't know, golf, golf is a very interesting sport to me. And I, it, this whole, this Ryder Cup following on Twitter mostly was very interesting because there's a hat. I love the, the hat. <laughs> and, thing and, like, yeah, and like Europe, Europe is kicking America's ass, and like Twitter kind of going up in flames over that. Um, it was very interesting to see as someone who yeah. didn't follow it. Yeah, the, the hat thing was hilarious. Patrick Cantley is about as unlikable as a golfer gets. <laughs> like, he's not as like outspoken as and like as obvious as an asshole as Brooks, but he's just such a weird cat. But he was absolutely 
So playing his ball. Can I, <laughs> just like held us in it. And then the whole cup thing here's was a rudimentary, Here's a rudimentary question about this, this Ryder Cup thing. Yeah. I thought that captains pick teams, right? Correct. Well, there's six automatic qualifiers, six captains picks. For oh, okay. So there's six. Okay. So who are the automatic qualifiers for the U.S.? It was like Scheffler, Harmon, Wyndham Clark, Xander, Cantlay, and maybe Homa. And then Brooks like just slipped outside the top six. So they for sure were going to take him anyway. Because he doesn't get points for being on live. So it's hard. And then like, who, got, who got picked then? Then it was like Spieth, Thomas, Fowler, uh, Sam Burns. So none of those guys. None I'm of missing the a couple, but it doesn't really sound like any of the captains' picks really had like terrible like personality problems per se on the Ryder Cup. It was really just kind of like the other guys who were just qualifying for it. Am I right in that statement? Or they, they were good on personalities. Like, I mean, the team never really comes together like we'd want them to. Like where Europe yeah. does. Um, Why is that? Just, I think it's just a more individualistic culture in the united states i think europe always kind of has a chip on their shoulder because you know think about how like all the other countries view america like they pretty much like hate them unless they like have a reason to like be okay with them and so i think there is a level of they really they really rally together and like just seem like they just enjoy each other's presence and you know there's a hold on there's also a level of can you hear me yeah yeah we're going deep okay. on the Ryder Cup, Bosco. Yeah, it's all right. Um, they're asking some questions, just interviewing Skaggs with the Ryder Cup. So. <laughs> but there is, I think there's a level of. Whenever you know, Skaggs wants to was... start the Ryder Cup podcast, I'll be his co host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's a level of, um, you know, it's obviously someone that loves the US, but also has a British stepmom. I do think there's a level of like mm-hmm. politeness right. and like the way that, you know, relationships are there versus here where there is like i don't know they just kind of bond together much easier and like you got to remember too i think a big thing is that like they are representing different countries within europe so i think that also kind of bonds them together where they're all kind of fighting like their own battle for their home country but also for like europe as a whole whereas like the united states like none of these guys give a shit about like representing you know texas or kentucky or wherever florida or wherever they're from it's like I mean, of course, they care, but, like, that's not like a, oh, we're all banding together type of thing. Like, Europe just has way better team chemistry. Yeah. And who knows how much that actually impacts in golf. That's, yeah. that's the ultimate question. We don't actually yeah, know, no, but it seems like, to help. <laughs> I like golf, but, yeah, like, I I have a hard time being, like, polite on the golf course and, like, you know, like, just being not vulgar and people sometimes get a little upset with me on the golf course. So, and also, yeah. I'm not very good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Understand. Okay. Appreciate it. Uh, Bosco, I'm not one of the biggest advocates, but I do acknowledge that this league loves its dogs. Not a dog hater, just not not in the lover echelon. Um, hey, you slept in the same bed as Gigi. Remember that? Again, I have a really good relationship with dogs. Just I know I'm lower. I know I'm lower on the spectrum of, of dog lovers in this in this country. Uh, how's Rudy doing? Yeah. <laughs> what's the latest on the tiktok fame chase rudy's doing great rudy had a big week last week he had a tiktok that got like 12 million views he got like eight thousand followers in two days barstool sports Huge. got it and and dm'd and said like can we post this as an instagram reel so like rudy's coming up in the world 
He's ready to make his mark. He's he's definitely the head of my household. That fucking little twelve pound <laughs> asshole run, run absolutely runs my life. And he knows he's a star. But listen, he's showing up. He he had he had a while there where it looked like maybe his time had come and gone, where he was washed up as a social media influencer. But um, now we've got some momentum, and he's ready to go. Uh, can I ask, as someone that's not on TikTok and doesn't see this stuff often, what are what's the typical content? This one was literally just like a weird voice filter over him barking. We have we, we have absolutely like no idea which ones are gonna get a lot of views and which ones aren't. Like, you know, just like make these ones and post them. He's had like I think five get a million views or more career, and like none of them were the ones where we're like, oh yeah, people are gonna love this. And then the ones that were like, oh yeah, these are gonna be great. Like no one cares about. So I have no idea. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not particularly helpful running his account but it's just like random shit like it's kind of hard to explain if you don't know tiktok they're sort of like memes but like moving in sound so they'll yeah. be like a template they'll, they'll be like a template a lot of voiceovers and stuff right a lot of voiceovers yeah that's always been interesting to me god how about this julius randall four for 19 night you hate to see it already just ended his career tonight um bosco who are you <laughs> most excited to meet in person in boise <laughs> Obvious, obviously, Rob. All due respect to everyone else. <laughs> the guy is just an absolute. The guy is just an absolute stallion. Everywhere and at all times, every piece of content he gives us from his life is electric. Um, I, I'm, I'm also, I am also hoping to find Joe passed out on a toilet. I'm really hoping that that happens. But Pretty decent like, odds. All due respect to the rest of the guys who I am also very excited to meet, but like I just I gotta I gotta soak in this Rob Blair aura. I gotta I gotta get some Air Blair in my life. I feel like it's just gonna it's just gonna absolutely put some lead in my pencil. Yeah, love that. Odds are I'll probably you know make a hole in one if we play golf or something like that. You know, just crazy stuff happens when you hang out with that kid. Uh, big topic today in the Arizona boys group chat. We were talking all kinds of food. It prompted me to make nachos at like four 30 in the afternoon. Cause like they had just been talking about it so much, uh, rank these five fast food chains. These are kind of the, the really big ones that have like national brands in every state, TV commercials, all that good stuff. Wendy's McDonald's Burger King, Jack in the box and Taco Bell. All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say my five, and, and then I'll give my commentary in order: one Jack in the Box, two Wendy's, three McDonald's, four Burger King, five Taco Bell. Wow. Um, Jack in the Box, <laughs> excellent menu variety. They they're they're always innovating. They're always changing it up. They've got one of the better value menus in the game. So you can you know you can go bigger, sure. you can go smaller. They hit you. They hit you with the burgers and the chicken, all sorts of different ways. They hit you with the tacos. Their egg rolls don't sleep on those. The curly yep. fries are also excellent. And then Jack in the Box also has the best milkshakes on this list. So they're fantastic. Wendy's comes in at number two, largely on the strength of the maple bacon chicken croissant, which is the yeah. best single fast food breakfast item available. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Dad loves it, right? I, I put it as my number five fast food item ever. A hundred percent. Like it, I hold it in that same esteem. Maybe it is four, yeah. fucking incredible. It is so yeah. good. Anyone who's listened to this, if you haven't tried it, next time you're hung over and need something to soak it up, go yeah, get the maple me. bacon chicken croissant from Wendy's. It is the croissant bun's great. The maple butter is just like it's, it's the perfect amount. The chicken patty's good. It's it's so good. 
Mm-hmm. Big day for Wendy's. Big day for Wendy's. Yeah, and I, then had Wendy's McDonald- early. I had Wendy's earlier, so. Yeah, it's fantastic, and then and then and then the rest of the menu is good too. They they have like of the of the value menu chicken sandwiches in these top four. Wendy's is the best one, mm-hmm. consistently crispy and crunchy, which is really what you need out of a chicken sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. McDonald's and Burger King, you're really splitting hairs. McDonald's takes the. Uh, it's oh, not no. a Taco Bell. I I get, but like. I just, it just doesn't do much for me. I, I've had a bunch of this stuff and, you know, I mean, part of it is that like, I really don't like beans. So like all the burritos and all the stuff that's <laughs> bad in there, like those are, the, that takes out 80, that takes out 80% of the menu. Quesadilla is never as good as I want it to be. So like, I get it. it. It's just not in my wheelhouse. I know people go crazy for it, but Taco Bell just doesn't do much for me. Well, here's what I'd say. We did we did lose you a little bit on McDonald's and Burger King. So what was the, the thought there? You said splitting hairs. Yeah, you're splitting hairs. They're both dependable. You, you know, I, I'm, I do love fast food, but I've just never been a huge McDonald's or Burger King guy. McDonald's gets by on the strength of the fries because, like, it's become a cliche, but they really are as good as advertised. I'm also, a huge, McF- also a huge McFlurry guy. And then, you know, Burger King, I, I do love chicken fries, but the rest of the menu is just a little uninspiring. Okay. I will say one interesting thing about Taco Bell, I do like it. Um, it's always great when you're drunk or high at like two in the morning. But like, I will say because just going to like a local Mexican joint and getting tacos or a burrito or nachos or something like that, like isn't like really going to like cost you more or like take any more time like i know some people like the drive-through but like it is that that is an interesting concept for the other ones it's like okay if you actually go and sit down and get a burger that usually will take a good minute but like taco places and burrito places i feel like you can like have the same exact amount of time with like a better experience as to what you're eating but it's also quick yeah and cheap, yeah absolutely kind of cool. I, I think I, I think you're spot i think you're spot on and like honestly like a lot of like good like you know in the spanish-speaking neighborhood taquerias are going to be not not just like not more expensive but cheaper which like finding finding a good burger for cheaper than those places is, is much more difficult right. so I, I i agree with the analysis love that ben you got any questions for us tonight or what no 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 i don't I, you you cover a lot of stuff the you know the fast food thing we kind of debated that all day so i like right. his analysis quite a bit all right, here's my last question. I don't know if you have any, Bosco, but talk to us about, because it, j- it just happened on kind of a random Saturday, and I know we were updating the text and all this stuff, but talk to us quickly about the Waffle House Challenge. Take us back to that moment in time. Oh, man. I was in hell, guys. I, like, I said this at the time, and <laughs> I said it to laugh. people. Like, I'd love to, I'd, I'd love to say that I had like, some kind of sense of accomplishment for what occurred, I absolutely did not. It was miserable. So I got there pretty early in the morning. Um, you know, I timed it. So like, you know, I had an edible right when I woke up. So like I, I got there ready to go and I, I knew that it was going to be hard and that it was going to get hard. What I didn't expect was that like by the middle of waffle two, I was already going to be like, I don't want any fucking more of this. Cause like wow. I'm a big waffles guy. I've been waffles over pancakes and French toast my whole life. The Waffle House, great vibes. It's a neighborhood atmosphere. I was, the waitress was greeting everyone when they walked in. She knew them. She's like, oh, your son made the team this year. Like, it was, it was great. The conditions could not have been better. I told her what was going on. I 
promised I'd take care of her tip wise and she was in my in my corner the whole way. But man, those waffles are dense and hard to get down. Um, if I if I hadn't brought I brought like I brought a bunch of my Alka Seltzer chews and a couple of ginger ales. And if I didn't have the ginger ales, I don't think I would have made it. Like I don't think I would have gotten down more than six. The amount of vomit that I deposited in my one trip to this Waffle House bathroom. It was like (laughs) coming out. It was like, as if I had like a big old bowl of waffle batter and it was, I was just absolutely in (laughs) hell from like waffle four. And I only ended up there six hours. I got the 12 I needed to do use that second round pick as part of the trade up that brought in Laporta. So like (laughs) it, it, it was all for the best, but like, I am not like people have asked me like, you know, like the, when the next person has to do, what do you think? I'm like, honestly, like I'm going to vote for a different last place punishment. I don't need anyone to go through what I went through there. I was, I was like down and out for the entire day. I wasn't hungry until dinner the next night. It was horrendous. And like, I am just like sitting there and you know, I, I felt no, like I was trying to get myself all psyched up in the morning. Like when I drove over, I put on I, – I made a quick Spotify playlist of, like, the pregame playlist that we had our, on our senior year basketball team, like, the same songs to try to get myself into, like, sure. competitive mode. Yeah. And I was yeah. – and I was already just had my tail between my legs by the end of Waffle 2. It was – it was – it was it was awful. I felt no accomplishment at the end of it. But, you know, but you we're have here Bijan now. Robinson, the, the Llamas are an ascendant franchise, <laughs> and, we're, and we're putting that episode behind us. Love it. Love the detail. Did not know it was that intense. Crazy. And to think that, you know, the loser this year just has to like do some like bitch chores and stuff. It's crazy. But you know. I might just like I might just I might just like shove four egos in their mouth though. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. That would be that would actually be kind of a fun challenge. Egos would be like, I feel like you could get down like a 10 pack. And not that yeah, I, 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 I was, I was, tra- I was training with egos, and if anything, it gave me a false sense of security. Yeah. Did you take my idea of uh, next time the uh, last place has to enlist in the Marines? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. You've got my vote. <laughs> yeah, I love that, that one. That would be so. Some of these ones are just so insane. Uh, Love that, though, for our country. All right, Bosco, any questions for us? I'm not sure I'd love that for our country. (laughs) I would. Are you kidding me? Um, Bosco, any questions? Uh, No, no. It's it's always an honor to be on. Keep up the good work, fellas. uh, Oh, wait, Bosco, sorry. One last question. The the whole... (laughs) 90% 90% of the reason that I wanted you on the pod is because I knew that you went to a Drake concert recently, and I can't believe <laughs> I almost forgot to ask that question. Give me some highlights. I mean, this is a gentleman who I'm obviously a big fan of. Ben is not, which is sad, you know, for a member of the Jewish community to hate on one of their own. But with everything that's going on in the world, Ben. Yeah, come I, on, you know, I, bet, I bet if I went, I bet, I bet if I went to a Hamas concert, Ben would be in. <laughs> but how was that? What did he play? He's got like a hundred songs to choose from. So like, like how many does he play? He played so many songs. Um, it was it was cool. Um, I went I went with Robbie Chrisman, who's a wild card. 
Um, yep. And we had, we had a we had a lovely time. We got a nice steak dinner before. Um, the drinks the drinks were flowing. Um, we were the only white people in our section. There was there, there was a lone um, African American woman sitting next to us who we made friends with. She was great. Everyone was vibing. Um, I guess what I didn't realize is that like me knowing all the Drake hits, like that kind of only goes until like 2018. So like half of these songs he was playing, I've never heard before. I'm so washed up. Yeah. Um, but he played all of the hits you would have wanted him to play. At one point, he went over to headlines, to the motto, to hell yeah fucking right, to started from the bottom. And like that five song swing That's was nice. absolutely incredible. The only problem was he did like the first verse of most of those songs. And I wanted him to do the whole thing. And he was playing like the whole song of his kind of newer shit. Um, yep. But it was still like, it was so much fun. The place was bumping. He was- Where was like, it? The set was, it was at the Hawks Stadium. Okay. Um, like the set was great, the light show, everything. Um, you know, he's a legend. Like he's an absolute living legend. And twenty one, he brought out Twenty One Savage too. And I really don't know any Twenty One Savage songs, but they did play the one that I knew, and it was tight. And then, and then he finished with the encore with Legend and brought the house down. Like I was so glad I went. Like I thought I was going to be a little more dialed in on most of the set list, but like when he played mm-hmm. the hits that I know and love, like I was on cloud nine. It was so great. That's great to hear. Yeah, number one on my bucket list concert-wise. Got to make it happen at some point. But the thing is, like, I keep saying to myself, like, I got to make it happen until he's, like, done making music. But, like, part of the reason that keeps him, like, so popular is that, like, he just puts out so much music. And even me as, like, one of his biggest fans, like, not all of it I love by any means, especially with some of his newer stuff. But, like, just the volume of music. He's just shooting so hard <laughs> and, he, and because it's him it's like obviously it's gonna sell 100 it's just it's just so funny to me it's like when you look at like some of the other guys who are like very popular it's like i feel like they come out with an album like once every like three or four years and he's just like album album mixtape album just forcing it on us whether you like it or not like i am here to make money it's wild he's he is like this is sort of gonna sound like an insult i guess in some ways it is but like He's a brand. He's an institution. Like he's more like he's 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 more like the NFL than he is like Kendrick Lamar. Oh, and right. you know, like if you want to talk about artistry or whatever, fine. But in terms of like bringing the house down for a night in Atlanta, like Drake's your guy. Love that. Are these dogs getting fired up? Let's go. The coyotes. The coyotes are out. Oh hell yeah! The dogs are dog. Hey, Gigi's oh. ready to go. Gigi's ready to go. Are they howling? Oh yeah, the coyotes are going off. You should let them out. Yeah. Oh, they're out. The dogs are out. Luckily, we have fences, you know. Yeah, love that. Hell yeah! All right. Well, on that note, boys, thank you very much for that last question explanation, Bosco. That's huge. Ben, thank you for being here. And let's have a beautiful night, huh, boys? Thanks, Bosco. Have a good one. Love you, fellas. Take it easy. Peace on earth. Come on, girls, get inside. Come on. Come on, inside. Hey, inside. Let's go. Go inside. Go inside. Stay inside.
It's okay. I know. The hot wings are firing us up, huh? Now I'd just like to introduce y'all to the man, the myth, the legend, the MVP front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo woo. Lamar Jackson in the flesh. Yes, sir. Big trust. I'm with you. I'm with you.